0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Surveillance Report 53, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report will recap some of the most notable events in the last week. We've got some uh, large number of fines for privacy violations. We've got some big political news from all around the world. We have Apple updates with the whole iOS 15 stuff and much, much more. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And I'm Henry from TechLore. And this week, we want to remind you guys that Surveillance Report is entirely supported by viewers. We don't take any sponsors or anything like that. So if you get value out of this and you like what we do and you want it to keep going, be sure to swing by TechLore's website. There's uh, all kinds of ways to support us. There's Patreon, Monero, uh, there's a, a shop for merchandise, stuff like that. Before we jump in, I have a quick correction from last week. Last week I covered a story where I said that an Indian man was arrested and I named him as Madhya Pradesh. Uh, That's actually the state he's from, that was my bad, I was uh, trying so hard to just take the notes down and and start recording, and I apologize, the man's name is actually Sahil uh, Lala, I I probably mispronounced (laughs) that too, but anyways, thank you for those who corrected me, and I'm sorry about rushing that one. With that out of the way, let's jump into data breaches. A user on raid forums is claiming that they have 245 million records for sale from a database stolen in July 2020 from a company called Acuity. The database allegedly contains 416 fields, so like, you know, name, phone, number, address, all that stuff. Acuity, for those who don't know, is an insurance provider that provides, quote, home, business, and auto insurance. If we do learn anything on whether that's true or not, we will keep you updated. Our next story is also a little bit up in the air. This one definitely is a breach of some kind, but this comes from India Mart which is a business-to-business marketplace from India, of course. And this is their second data breach since 2020. They have leaked over 30 million records, including first name, last name, email address, company, physical address, phone number, and more. They are, of course, denying that this happened, but it does seem kind of legit. And the real question is, was this a breach or was this public data that was scraped? And again, if we hear anything, we will keep you updated. Um, Our next story is the results of an open server. Uh, Indonesia's Ministry of
1: Health has leaked 1.3 million COVID-19 test results and other personal data, which included passports, ID, contact information, addresses, phone numbers, uh, next of kin, it's a new one, I don't hear that one much, hotel information and more. After months of getting no reply from the Ministry of Health, the Computer Emergency Response Team and Google, the BSSN finally got it taken down themselves. This is another unsecured server story and it was discovered by the same researchers as the story I just told you. Eskifun, which is a Chinese company, they develop lots of mobile RPG games, uh, was affected by this. It's affected games like Rainbow Story, Metamorph M, and Dynasty Heroes. This includes about 365 million records dating back to June 2021. It includes IP addresses, IMEI device info, phone numbers, OS event logs, root status, purchase details, passwords in plain text, which is always fun, and more. So once again, EskyFun has ignored two communication efforts and the Hong Kong CERT had to be contacted to fix the issue on July 28th.
0: All right, our next data breach comes from Bangkok Airways, who was hit by the Lockbit ransomware, and uh, this one took an unexpected twist. So Bangkok Airways didn't say how many customers were infected or like when affected or when this took place, but we do know the data that was compromised included names, genders, phone numbers, email addresses, physical addresses, contact and passport information, partial card payment information like credit card and other stuff. Lockbit claimed that they used account credentials obtained during their Accenture attack to compromise Bangkok and Ethiopian airlines. So Accenture, that was like January and we're still dealing with this. Holy crap. Uh, the unexpected twist was for reasons we're not quite sure of Lockbit actually released all the data three days ahead of schedule. Uh, I don't know if uh, negotiations broke down or what, but yeah, 103 gigs of data. They have already gone ahead and released it.
1: This is a pretty big one. Uh, Dallas
0: School District has admitted that they have suffered a data breach, but
1: the details are a little bit murky. So this is one of the biggest school districts in the U.S. with over 150,000 students. They are being very tight-lipped on what happened, but what we do know is that in 2010, every student since, my bad, since 2010, every student, staff, parents, and contractors had data exposed to an unauthorized third party, whoever that means. Uh, This included full names, addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers, and date of births. Uh, I guess the big takeaways, which Nate included, is use a P.O. box, use a different address if you can, and also a VOIP number to at least protect your phone number
0: and address. All right, our next story comes from Fujitsu. I think this is an update to an earlier story, but the article didn't directly say so. I believe during the Olympics there was confirmation that Fujitsu was compromised. I could be thinking of someone else because there's so many data breaches to keep track of nowadays. Anyways, there is a dark web marketplace called Marketo. They are selling four gigabytes of customer data that they claim came from Fujitsu. Fujitsu has confirmed that the data is customer data and not internal system data from the company. Also, weirdly, they are insisting that this was not connected to a hack that occurred back in May. They're saying this is a totally new thing, which I I don't know. In my opinion, that's kind of like, I don't know if I'd want to admit that. Like you're you're getting attacked twice. Two completely unrelated incidents. Anyways, I digress. So yeah, there's that. We'll we'll keep you there. The article didn't really say like what information was in the database or any of that stuff, but if we hear anything, of course, we'll keep you updated. And our last data breach story and our first story about fines, the SEC has fined several brokerage firms over customer data exposure. So they find Cetera Cambridge, not Cambridge Analytica, just to be clear and KSM, who are all financial institutions, they fined them a total of $750,000 for failing to properly protect customer data. And that's pretty much the whole gist of the story.
1: All right, we're gonna move over to company news, starting with two Google Stories. The first one, it's a great article saying why you suddenly need to delete Google Chrome. The article pretty much states that Google has fallen behind rivals in privacy features like blocking third-party cookies and cross-site tracking by default, and points out the Flock implementation mess, which we've talked about previously in many surveillance reports, and it's still an ongoing issue. They then cite a bunch of statistics on how privacy is harmful and how surveillance capitalism is a big deal. So pretty much the moral is Chrome continues to be the least private browser out there, or at least one of, so switch to Brave or Firefox, or really any other browser, to be honest. But we were just talking about this before we recorded. Brave is such an easy thing to recommend to noobs, especially, because it won't hurt them it'll only be a better browser it's just a better chrome and they're going to be like oh it blocks ads too out of the box and then they might ask you to do other things too just make sure to disable the crypto crap because i don't think many people want to deal with the crypto crap inside brave
0: (laughs) They do also have uh, analytics turned on by default, but you can turn that off in the settings.
1: And our second Google story, YouTube may require some EU users to submit their credit cards or ID for age verification. This isn't new to some people. I know some people have already sent some images saying, hey, YouTube has required me to submit an ID or credit card, but uh, buried in the second to last paragraph of this blog post, it's a Google blog post. If our systems are unable to establish that a viewer is above the age of 18, we will request that they provide a valid ID or credit card to verify their age. So the moral is get off YouTube. You can try Peertube instead if your creators are there. Or there's also YouTube front ends as well, like NVIDIAs or the other ones. I think NVIDIAs is the main one, though. You can also use NewPipe for mobile. Um, or you can scream at your creators to move to something like Odyssey or Peertube.
0: Our next couple stories are going to deal with iOS and Apple. So our first one, uh, I I get to admit that I'm wrong, and I'm sure everyone who knows me is going to be so stoked that this is on camera and recorded because this is rare for me. But uh, last week I said that based on an uh, an article about how Apple's neural hash has been present since iOS 14.3, I figured that they were not going to give on all the negative feedback from the anti-CSAM measures coming up in iOS 15 because they put so much work and time into it. However, this week, Apple announced that they're gonna delay rolling it out because they're getting so much negative feedback and they kind of gave the whole PR thing of like, we wanna make sure we do this right and we you know do it properly. But the point is, they did give. So I was wrong. There may be hope. Uh, let's keep pushing on that. And EFF wrote a whole blog post about why you know delaying it is not enough. They need to completely abandon it and you can go read that if you'd like.
1: Our next story on a similar note, iOS 15 now prompts users if they want to enable Apple's personalized ads after it was previously on by default. So if you weren't aware, there's a setting in iOS to allow or disable... Ugh, Jonah, shut up, bro. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> um, iOS users, uh, you can go in the settings and there's a setting for allowing or disabling personalized advertisements. It's under privacy, Apple advertising, personalized ads. Uh, This is normally on by default, you have to go in and disable it, but now Apple will prompt you in iOS 15, which is good, good move.
0: All right, our next Apple story, Apple has announced the first states in the US to sign up to adopt the driver's licenses and state IDs in the Apple wallet. So I think we've talked about this before, they were coming up with a standard where you know, in Apple Wallet you can store like credit cards and stuff like that, you can store concert tickets, well now you will be in certain states able to store your ID. Those US states are Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah. So it, I did look at the the blog post and what they said, they said the ID will be stored and encrypted locally, It can be secured with a biometric ID, so it shouldn't be as easy as just popping it open and looking at your ID. It does not report any usage on how many times you open it or anything like that. And they even said you can show it without having to unlock or hand over your device. So, for example, they talk about using it with the TSA. You can show them your ID on the phone without having to, like, unlock the phone. So, that is pretty cool. However, I would still say I personally do not trust Apple, and I don't recommend you use this unless you have to. That's just my opinion.
1: All right, our next and final Apple story is Apple must face a claim that Siri violates privacy. So a federal judge in Oakland, California has allowed a lawsuit to proceed that alleges Siri violated user privacy with accidental activations when the user had reasonable expectation that it was not listening. We're going to keep you updated
0: if anything happens, but that's the story that just got started. According to a South Korean watchdog, Organization, Facebook used facial recognition without consent over 200,000 times. This comes from the Personal Information Protection Commission of South Korea. They also uh, called out Netflix and Google for violating laws and insufficient privacy protections. Facebook was fined 5.5 million U.S. dollars for creating and storing 200,000 user facial recognition photos. Between April 2018 and September 2019, they were fined an additional 200000 for illegally collecting social security numbers and not notifying users of their various practices. They have, of course, been ordered to destroy the facial recognition stuff that they collected and pretty much any data they have illegally collected. The article didn't really specify what data Netflix collected without consent, but they also collected information without consent. They were fined $188,000, and Google was not fined anything, but they were given a strong recommendation to improve their data handling process. Our next Facebook story is... Probably nothing new to our privacy veterans here. There is no escape from Facebook, even if you don't use it. So uh, this might be a good article, actually, to send to some of your non-techie friends. And the article talks about how Facebook and other big big tech companies, but they really focus on Facebook, just how much they reach off the site and into our daily lives, usually on the Internet, but just kind of everywhere we go. They talk about a lot of the various tracking methods they use and uh, the big statistic that I saw making the rounds this week, 61%. Of The top 100 most popular smartphone apps have some kind of Facebook software and 25% of all websites have Facebook trackers. That is a huge statistic. So the moral of the story, in my opinion, use anti-tracking measures like uBlock origin. And of course, we already talked about switch to brave or Firefox. And especially with Firefox, make sure you check the settings and make sure you've got all your privacy anti-tracking stuff turned on. Won't stop everything, but it will help dramatically. Our next story is a really quick one. Pretty soon, you're gonna have to tell
1: Instagram your birthday to keep using the app. That's it. The moral here, you can switch to something like PixelFed, which is what Nate recommended. It's an alternative to Instagram. Um, If you wanna at least view Instagram photos without an Instagram account, there's a service called Pikuku, Pikuku. I'll leave it in the source in the description. Um, It allows you to pretty much view any profile or any post without having an Instagram account.
0: I know a bibliogram is also an Instagram front end, but I don't know if it'll. It is, but I don't know how effective it is. I've never actually used it myself, so I don't know if it works or not. But I know it's a really popular one. I see recommended a lot. Oh, okay. I'll check. I'll bookmark this too. I'll leave both in the description. And then we have two quick WhatsApp stories. So the first one is there is a modded version of WhatsApp called FM WhatsApp. And it gives you extra functionality like self-destructing messages, automatic translation, which is actually pretty cool, stuff like that. And, of course, it is not an official WhatsApp app, so it includes ads so that the developer can help fund themselves. As we've seen in the past, the ads were served by a third-party library, which became compromised and began serving malware to users. Depending on which flavor of the Trojan users got, it could have done things like bombarding them with full-screen ads... Uh, Running invisible ads in the background, which is going to slow down your phone and clog up your data and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Sign them up for paid subscriptions without telling them. Or in some cases, it even intercepted login credentials so that the attackers could like spam everyone else. So moral of the story, beware of third party services, especially when we're talking about like these centralized proprietary services like this and Discord and stuff like that. Of course, you should just ditch WhatsApp altogether. And then our last WhatsApp story, uh, yet another fine this week. WhatsApp Ireland has been fined 225 million euros, which is 267 million US dollars at the time of this recording, for data protection breaches. Of course, WhatsApp has said they will appeal the decision. Um, The part that really stuck out to me about this that I wanted to share... Quote, WhatsApp Ireland, which had previously set aside 77.5 million euros for a possible fine, unquote. So to me, that's just proof that all these companies just view these fines as a cost of doing business. They don't even care that they have to pay the fine. They care that it's more than what they set aside. And that should not sit well with you okay next we have a real quick story from amazon Amazon amazon.com.au will encourage customers to stop using their visa cards starting in november 1st this is for australian customers only amazon will apply apply a 0.5 percent charge to visa cards i guess in light of this this means the best way to shop at amazon is first of all i would say don't shop at amazon if you can avoid it there are many many reasons they're a terrible company but second buy prepaid cards in cash i know here in america they're usually available at 7-eleven which there's usually one of those on almost every corner but yeah just go down buy a prepaid card in cash for however much you need and then purchase that
1: up next we're going to migrate to microsoft microsoft 365 usage analytics now quote anonymizes user info by default Uh, This is just another, you know, we're not saying Microsoft is good. We're not even saying this is necessarily privacy friendly, but at least companies are migrating to what they consider a more privacy by default standard. Anonymization is a very dangerous term that we don't enjoy. You can de-anonymize that data, but it is still a step in the
0: right direction for this specific company and their standards, which aren't very high. (laughs) Okay, our next story comes from TikTok, who is being sued for violation of children's rights yet again. This one is really interesting though. So this comes from the Netherlands, and TikTok is actually being uh, fined enough money that every child affected is entitled to a fixed payment of at least a thousand euros. It varies based on uh, the age of the child when they first signed up for TikTok, but yeah, they're they're actually going to be like paying the affected individuals a wow. substantial amount of money. That's a lot. Yeah, I know, and that's the <laughs> minimum. It get, it only goes up from there. It's awesome. So um. Again, though this is in the Netherlands, so it probably doesn't apply to you unless you're from the Netherlands. Uh, the next story we have: this is a misleading headline. It says FBI Palantir glitch allowed unauthorized access to private data. So, for those who don't know, Palantir is a private company that collects crap tons of data from like social media and works with usually police to, um, you know, help them process their uh, all kinds of stuff. But, anyways, the reason it's misleading: this was not a glitch. Uh, Palantir's software by design. Or by default, I should say, does not segregate data properly. You have to go in as the user or the admin and set up permissions and change the defaults. So since most people never change the defaults, therefore, almost everything the cops uploaded was wide open to other investigators from other states and other counties ...without any hurdles whatsoever. So people from other jurisdictions were able to access information without warrants, which greatly impacted the investigations. Again, this is not a glitch. It can be fixed by changing settings. At this time, Palantir has not said that they intend to do any changes to the default settings. They blamed the cops. Um yeah i know it's fascinating to read them both blaming each other i will say one thing this points out to me is just the danger of default settings that's why i i know i strongly encourage my readers anytime you sign up for anything first thing you should do is go through all the settings and see what's there and see what you can change yep every time
1: you're gonna find so many good things in there like 2fa yeah exactly security settings disabling analytics all that fun stuff
0: exactly (laughs)
1: And our final company article for the week, we had a lot of companies, goes to Coinbase, the cryptocurrency exchange. They misreported 2FA changes to over 100,000 customers. So this was a bug. They sent customer text alerts that their 2FA settings had been changed. And this caused people to panic because they thought that, because they didn't change anything. And so they went to sell their crypto, probably since most exchanges have a sucks to be you policy. Um, Now, technically Coinbase is FDIC insured. So if something like this happened, like, I don't know. I don't know why people panic sold because of this specific situation. Um, But there are some takeaways here because that could have been a real text. One, don't store your cryptocurrencies in an online exchange that holds your private keys. (laughs) Step one, (laughs) move your cryptocurrencies to a place where you actually own the keys. I don't care if it's Exodus. I know Exodus. I I love Exodus. Okay. It's a great piece of software. It's got a great interface. It's a beautiful piece of software, but it's not open source. But I'd still rather have people using Exodus than Coinbase or any other online exchange. Um, If you want something better, get a hardware wallet. And there's also other software wallets like Electrum. I think it's Electrum. That's good for Bitcoin. And then there's also the Monero wallet. There's lots of alternatives.
0: Okay, moving into research. Uh, So, okay, this first story, there is a conflict of interest warning. This research was conducted by an email security company. So uh, I, I don't think that affects their results any. Just be aware that there is an agenda here. Uh, their study says one in every four companies suffered at least one email security breach. So this was a survey they did of over 420 companies. They found that 23% of those companies had suffered a security breach because of an email incident. Out of those 23%, 36 of those were phishing attacks. Some other statistics worth noting, they found that 62% of all the security incidences reported were caused by compromised credentials. So, uh, you know, the attacker, whether through phishing or whether through some other means, they got your, uh, your login information. of everyone who responded, this is horrifying, have yet to implement any form of multi-factor authentication, and 68% of them expect Microsoft 365 to be good enough to protect their emails. Now, out of all the respondents, half of them reported using a third-party security solution, and some of those were in addition to Microsoft 365, and that seems to work because out of those 50%, 82% said that they have never had an incident. I just think that's some really interesting research that, you know, shows how email is flawed and hard to protect and uh, just, you know, security incidences are very common.
1: Our next story has to do with hard drive recovery, uh,
0: which is a very common privacy
1: discussion because... Some context here, if you don't know, if you just empty your recycle bin, it's not actually deleting your files and there's the whole shredding files ordeal and people don't really know how likely it is for the files to be recovered by some kind of intelligence agency. So there's this This is a study talking about that. This study has demonstrated that correctly wiped data cannot reasonably, I'm, I'm quoting the story. <laughs> all right, let me quote the study. This study has demonstrated that correctly wiped data cannot reasonably be retrieved even if it is of a small size or found only over small parts of the hard drive, not even with the use of a MFM or other known methods. The belief that a tool can be developed to retrieve gigabytes or terabytes of information from a wiped drive is an error. So pretty much this is good. It shows that you don't need to go overboard on shredding your files. Just a general shred through any kind of program who shreds files. BleachBit's a good uh, thing for Linux and Windows users. They do have a CLI for macOS as well. (laughs) I I don't know another takeaway from this, but this is just good news. And hopefully it will help you sleep better at night knowing you can comfortably wipe hard drive data. This
0: doesn't have to do with SSDs. All right, our next research study comes from Comcast. There's a... uh... Internet of Things remote called the Comcast XR11. It is one of the most popular IoT remotes based on like the number of devices in use. I think the article said like 18 million or something. Uh, the researchers found a vulnerability that they called Where's the Remote? Because why not? And long story short, it could have allowed for a man-in-the-middle attack where an attacker could have uh, intercepted the RF signals between the remote and the device, the TV or whatever it's connecting to and, you know, eavesdropped, basically, because this remote has a microphone in it so you can talk to the TV and tell it to change channels or whatever. This has been patched, and I think it's also worth noting that this probably would have required the attacker to be in relatively close range. I didn't see any indication that this would work through the internet. So, uh fairly unlikely, but it is something to be aware of. And on that note, someone could be tracking
1: you through your headphones. Dun-dun-dun! so uh, a researcher has been testing a device that allows him to intercept bluetooth and wi-fi signals ah we always talk about radios um he's been able to identify at least 9149 bluetooth products at least 24 hours apart 129 headphones are tracked over 24 hours and some popular brands can be tracked even longer Um, This requires near-range capabilities, so it's a little bit hard to pull off, but it can be used to establish patterns, like you being at the same bus stop every single day. The moral here is to be careful with Bluetooth, disable Bluetooth when it's not in use, or just avoid it altogether, but also all radios. Um, If you're leaving the house, I really like to set my Wi-Fi off and my Bluetooth off, everything off um, when I leave my house, and also especially when I go into stores and things like that. Just a general thing that you should try to do because radios are very invasive and they're one of the easiest ways to collect your information.
0: Okay, our next story, it kind of seems like a no-brainer, but uh, there is some interesting stuff here. The headline says, Google Play sign-ins allow covert location tracking. So there's a researcher from Malwarebytes named Peter Arntz. He signed into his Google account on his wife's phone because he was purchasing an app for her, like he was paying for it. Initially, um, he did forget to sign, forget but to sign out. But he did go back later and but sign out. But he did and go back later and sign out. Either way, he was difference. able either to either track way, her location through his Google dashboard. dashboard. Again, even when he went back and signed out, he was still able to uh, track he her location as her phone moved around with this. her. Uh, to, uh, what he again, had to do to fully sign out and get and rid of this was go to again his dashboard and go to the account settings where so, it lists all the different devices. This is really problematic because it means. Uh, especially the first thing, thing, thing that came to my mind was really problematic because it means even if they sign out of the attacker's account, they can still be tracked. It's on the attacker to be a good Samaritan and sign out. Which of course a lot of people are not good Samaritans, unfortunately. Peter did record. Peter did report this to Google, who unfortunately at this time has not responded. Our next story is about malicious payloads over DNS, and I'm going to be honest, this is another one of those articles that kind of went over my head because they went into the technical details really, really fast, but if I understood this correctly, researchers have found a way to inject malicious payloads into DNS requests, and by doing this, they were able to do things like corrupt data, crash the system. Uh, They could even introduce remote code executions that could be used later in conjunction with other attacks. And the part that kind of scared me was they said DNSSEC was not able to defend against this. It didn't make a difference. Towards the end, they do suggest several fixes. Unfortunately, none of these are user level, so there's not really much you can do. But they do have to be integrated at a deeper level. But now that they brought this to light at the Usenix conference, I believe, hopefully someone will start working on this and address this, and we will have a fix in the near future. Our final research story is just another report reminding us that ransomware is still a huge problem. This study looked at ransomware attacks on schools, colleges, and universities in the United States since 2018. They found that there were 222 attacks that affected 3,880 schools and colleges. In 2020 alone, there were 77 attacks affecting 1,740 schools, impacting up to 1.36 million students. And for those who are curious, the top states... Who were hit with ransomware, Texas, California, New York, Louisiana, and Missouri. All right, on that note, let's move into politics. We're going to start with an article from TechDirt. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a real big fan of TechDirt because I feel like they inject way too much personal opinion into things, which I know is probably funny coming from me because I inject a lot of personal opinion onto these. But um, sometimes they do have a really good point. And in this story, they are talking, well, the headline says, House committee investigating January 6th Capital invasion goes on social media Phishing expedition And I'm going to go ahead and read the first like sentence Because I think they summed it up really well They said whatever you think of what happened on January 6th People should be concerned about the house select committee That is investigating those events now Demanding information from various social networks So they're hitting up everybody Like it's not just like Gab and Parler And 8chan They're hitting up like Facebook and TikTok And like they're really going after everybody And they are requesting They being the government they're requesting, quote, All accounts, users, groups, events, messaging forums, marketplaces, posts, and other user-generated content that was sanctioned, suspended, removed, throttled, deprioritized, labeled, suppressed, or banned from your platform, related to any of the items detailed in Request 1, one through 1-4, above. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this is already getting wordy, but... Request 1, 1 through 4, basically lays out, like, here's what we're looking for. And it's the first two that really concern me. Number one is misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation relating to the 2020 election, and efforts to overturn, challenge, or otherwise interfere with the election. Personal opinion here, I don't care if you think the election was stolen, as long as you're not, like, being violent about it. And I, I think that's pretty messed up that you can get landed on a watch list just because you dared to question the official narrative. For the record, I don't think the election was stolen. I think it was secure. I think it was fine. But the fact that this is like it's it's almost becoming like a 1984 thought crime like you're questioning the narrative and now we need to put you on a watch list it's just it's very unsettling and it's that whole slippery slope that we always constantly talk about
1: All right, our next story, uh, the headline is Federal Governments to Expand Use of Facial Recognition Despite Growing Concerns. So there's 10 federal agencies, Agriculture, Commerce, Defense, Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, Interior, Justice, State Treasury, and Veterans Affairs. They all told the Government Accountability Office that they intend to grow their facial recognition capabilities by 2023, which is coming up much sooner than we think. Um, While biometric locks are already common, many of them plan to expand the scope to other areas. like the DOA wants to monitor for people on watch lists. So this is just kind of another, ooh, this is another demonstration of facial recognition becoming a little bit more mainstream and getting a little bit more out into the public. And, oh man, speaking of being out in the public, the FBI spy planes have now been monitoring a single suspect, (laughs) suspect. A single sus. Single sus. Um, A single (laughs) suspect for nearly 429 hours. So. Just like what it says, the FBI used spy planes to monitor a suspected Islamic terrorist in Florida for over 400 hours without a warrant. So this plane also had stingrays. They just had this plane flying over this individual for over 400 hours. This is a spy plane program. It's nationwide with over 100 planes registered to shell corporations. So really underground stuff, no oversight. They just kind of do this with people without warrants or anything like that. It's great. Um, And the moral here is, I guess you can use a VPN, which would prevent uh, a stingray from capturing your web traffic very easily. Uh, Enter people who say VPNs don't help your privacy until they do. And then also make sure
0: to use end-to-end encrypted messaging as well so you're not relying on basic phone calls and SMS. Okay, our next story is another piece of good news. This comes from the FTC who has banned the stalkerware maker spy phone. Um, really I don't know if they really said, banned the company per se They definitely banned they the CEO, Scott they, Zuckerman This follows breach, a 2018 data breach And he can they told no Zuckerman in industry, he can no longer work in that industry the And he has they has to erase it. all of the data they for have For, those, to have the they for, have for those, those who don't know, SpyPhone is a popular stock maker so, so, yeah, um, I think that's a great yeah. step forward Our next story is... Well, I'll tell you the moral afterwards. Minnesota law enforcement shared intelligence on protest organizers with a pipeline company. So the police in Minnesota were, of course, gathering data about protesters. It um, didn't really go into detail about what data, but, you know, to an extent, I understand that. They they got to make sure things don't get out of hand. The problem is they started sharing that information about the protesters with the oil company that they were supposed to be, like, making sure the protest didn't turn violent. The two entities seem to have a very close relationship as the police would, like, not only brief them, but, like, uh, executives or, like, representatives would, like, sit in on the intelligence meetings, and police would, like, train them on certain tactics, it's just, it was just a very, uh, it seems a little cozy, in my opinion, but I, I think the real moral here that we can take away from this is that neither TechLore or the New Oil, as websites, kind of focus on government surveillance, that's, that's not really the thing, but, this shows why we're wary about who we give our data to, including governments, because once it's out of your control, you cannot stop who gets shared with it, whether it's justified, whether it's not, whether it's legal or not, or any of that kind of stuff. That's just a, a something important to remember is once that data is out there, you no longer control it. I think that's the lesson.
1: Up next, Texas schools are starting to surveil students online, often without their knowledge or consent. And according to GovSpend, Texas has more contracts with digital surveillance companies than any other state. The services range from social media monitoring to tracking what a student does on a device. Uh, This includes using AI to analyze the content scraped. And this isn't just for school related things, it sounds like. This is also used for maybe their personal social media profiles that aren't school related. So the moral here, especially don't trust a school issued device, but Even your own personal things that are indirectly tied to just your identity, your school identity, just like a personal Facebook page. Uh, Anything you post there could be scraped by your school if they have this kind of technology. Um, I think there's a big
0: boundary here between school and personal life that's being invaded that we should watch out for. Okay, we're going to go international with the news now, and we're going to start with a big story about Australia. The Surveillance Legislation Amendment Identify and Disrupt Bill 2020 was passed this week. I saw some people saying that it grants Australian police warrantless powers. It's not entirely true. It's also not entirely wrong. So what this bill does is it grants the Australian Federal Police and the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission three new types of warrants, a warrant for network activity, a warrant for data disruption, and a warrant for account takeover. The concern right now is, number one, these bills are too broad, of course, and it's too easy to get a warrant, so they're basically warrantless because it's so easy to get a warrant. And another person noted in the article that they don't really add anything meaningful in terms of existing laws. Like, there's already existing laws that give the police these kinds of powers. So it's kind of just making things easier, really, if anything. Our next story also comes from Australia, and... um, This one somehow flew below my radar. I found out about this at the last minute. Australia has added a new way to quarantine when you enter the country. So first of all, this only applies to Australian citizens. But when an Australian citizen returns to the country, if they've traveled abroad, they have to download an app for the next 14 days when they're supposed to be staying home and self-quarantine, the app will randomly message you and say, you have to check in. Once it does that, you have 15 minutes to take a picture of yourself to confirm that you are at home, that you are you and you are at home. So I assume uh, that this app will also require location data. If you do not respond within 15 minutes, the cops will get called. And we will hop over the ocean real quick to talk about New Zealand. New Zealand is introducing new terror laws after a recent attack. So last week, a man in New Zealand entered a supermarket, picked up a knife, and stabbed seven people. Three of them are in critical condition. It didn't say anyone was dead, so I'm assuming the other four are okay. Probably did not have a great time, though. In response, New Zealand has basically said they are going to expand their definition of anti-terror, like they're broadening the scope, and they are allowing police to conduct certain searches without a warrant. I can't say I agree with the solution there, but yeah, so that is happening, and if you live in New Zealand, you should be aware of that.
1: Next story, super duper quick. Google, Facebook, and Microsoft have topped the EU lobbying spending. This just shows how powerful these companies are. They're outspending military, pharmaceuticals, oil, and others to influence laws. Data is, one might say, the new oil. (laughs) What'd you think of that, Nate? (laughs) Hey, I wrote that in there. Our next story, Clearview AI, that company that we haven't talked about in a while, They have offered free trials to police around the world and this is more of just something that we just figured out this didn't just happen as of february 2020 88 law enforcement and government affiliated agencies in 24 countries outside the us have tried to use facial recognition technologies from clearview ai Many of them admitted to doing so without getting permission from their superiors. This is a reminder that privacy is a global issue. Even though both of us are Americans and we tend to focus on the U.S., it does affect all of us and also for many different reasons. Um, but this is something that really sh- speaks to how this is a worldwide problem and also how just any cop could have registered without getting permission from their superiors, which is just wonderful.
0: Queer AI its just a great company. I love them. All right. Our next story goes to China, where Chinese police kept buying Celebrate phone Uh, cracking devices after the company said it ended sales. This is probably not a shocker from China. This is probably not a shocker from Celebrite either. So basically what happened is Celebrite, uh, I think they just went public or they're about to go public. So they're trying to improve their stock prices. They pledged to stop selling to countries with questionable human rights records like China, Russia, Venezuela, some others, but those are probably the big ones that are in the news a lot. A report from The Intercept or an investigation found that mainland China is still buying Celebrite products directly through the normal official channels, and they continue to receive support, like updates. Like, nothing has changed for them. So even though Celebrite has removed them from their website, is like, we don't work with this company, and they, like, have officially, uh, like, deregistered them or whatever, nothing has actually changed. They're still just, you know, calling up Celebrite, and they're like, yo, we want 10 of these. It's like, all right, cool. Call us if you need help. It's insane. Uh, and our last story... For years, I have said that London is the most heavily surveilled city outside of China. Some people have asked me why I say that. There are numerous articles from reputable sources. Try searching most surveilled cities in the world. You can verify this for yourself. Um, However, that is no longer the case. As of this week, Delhi, India has now eclipsed that record. They have 1,826 cameras per square mile. London only has 1,138. So congratulations, London. You are not the most heavily surveilled place outside of China anymore. Uh, the part that blew my mind is the chief minister totally gonna screw this up Arvand Kerjual I think that's the uh, state name probably <laughs> hey I did check that multiple times I'm pretty sure that's the name
1: <laughs> messing with you
0: I know but he he's like praise the officers and the engineers he's like i'm so proud of them that made this possible and it's like i I guess he's trying to paint it as a good thing like hey now we got these cameras we can respond to crimes faster and we can catch criminals because we have them on film but like i don't know that just seems really creepy to me that your response would be like you know i'm just so proud of everybody who helped me build this panopticon and helped me put you under constant 24 7 surveillance even though you didn't do anything wrong it's just weird to me but i digress
1: All right, and now we are gonna transition into the FOSS news, free and open source. We're gonna start with Telegram, the messenger, which has topped one billion downloads. Uh, We do think there's better options than Telegram. I personally do not like Telegram, but the growth does show that the number of people who continue to at least value their privacy is growing. Up next, Brave has introduced a new way to cash out their bat, which is their cryptocurrency after you view their ads. So it used to be just Uphold, which, ugh. Don't even get me started on Uphold. Terrible, terrible, terrible. We don't like Uphold, no one likes Uphold. Um, But they just have finished integrating with Gemini, the other major cryptocurrency exchange outside of Coinbase and Binance. Um, So now users have two choices. Uh, when they wanna actually uh, sell their bat. Now, just so you know, if you do use Brave Rewards, you don't actually have to integrate with any service. You can keep it inside the Brave ecosystem. You can still tip creators without having to go through these exchanges. It's just if you wanna sell and export your money, you have to go through these two exchanges. And also a note, we both accept Brave Tips, both TechLore and the New Oil. So check out our links down below. Uh, It should be integrated into our sites and you can just click
0: tip if you use Brave Rewards. beans. And our last FOSS story is just something kind of cool showing progress. Session has been saying for a while now that they're working really hard on uh, allowing voice and video calls. You can now watch a demo video call as a proof of concept that they're working on it. They're making it happen. It is in progress. And it's just pretty cool to see that happen and also see all the little terminals all over the screen. So I'm easily amused. I'm not a programmer. And with that, we are going to move into our Misfits section. So our first one, uh, this is kind of a big story I saw passed around a lot. This week, there were a number of Bluetooth vulnerabilities that were discovered and disclosed. They are being called BrackTooth collectively. It includes 16 different vulnerabilities from 11 different vendors, which could potentially impact millions of devices. The most serious of these can be used to infiltrate IoT devices like smart speakers and take control of them. Other vulnerabilities could be used to uh, denial-of-service laptops and smartphones, so just kind of slow them down, shut them down, uh, freeze up audio devices, which would be a huge problem for me personally, and many other things. Fortunately, in Windows, there is a fix, which is basically to disable your plug-and-play or your driver auto-install, as you may know it. For everything else, we will keep you updated if we learn anything. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier, beware of Bluetooth, beware of radio. Um, Personally, I'm all wired, so yeah. Yeah. Our next story is about a phishing attack. Uh, this isn't really new, but it is on the rise and it is kind of genius. Attackers are using redirect links for phishing. So many of you may know that if you hover over a link, you know, say you, you have a link that's in text. Like I have those all over my website. If you hover over that link, you can see where it leads. Unfortunately, attackers are now using redirects. So you hover over it and you think it's safe. You click on it and then it takes you there but that redirects you to the actual phishing site so this serves two purposes number one it makes it harder for you to detect the phishing and number two it also probably i would imagine makes it easier for this to sneak through antivirus detection because the link is not malicious so the moral is to always 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 be careful of what you click even if it looks safe there is a risk always be 100 certain it's what you're expecting our next story one of my favorite subjects rogue employees a New York credit union employee was fired and then nuked 21 gigs of data in revenge. The title basically says it all. This happened because the employee's access was not revoked in a timely manner. Uh, the the management did actually inform IT. They're like, hey, we're letting this person go. Make sure you shut down her account. IT did not do it soon enough. So uh, before she left, she was able to delete mortgage applications the anti-ransomware protection software and also accessed a lot of confidential documents like minute meetings or meeting minutes and stuff like that. So fortunately the company has backups, but they still spend I think they said like ten thousand dollars, or maybe it was a hundred thousand dollars. They spent a lot of money and time pulling those backups. And of course, it goes without saying, the employee didn't just hurt the credit union, she also hurt the customers who had like mortgage applications in progress and stuff like that. Like buying a house is enough of a nightmare without somebody doing this. So yeah, those those insider threats are a real thing that you need to worry about. Our next story is a real quick one. It's just the next stage of malware evolution. Attackers are now targeting GPUs. That's really all there is to it. The title says cyber criminals sell tools to hide malware in AMD and NVIDIA GPUs. Just that's the next stage of malware is now attackers can hijack your GPU and use that as an attack vector. It's just something to be aware of.
1: All right, our next story, a UK ISP, Sky Broadband, is monitoring the IP addresses of servers suspected of streaming pirated content to subscribers and supplying that data to an anti-piracy company that's working with the Premier League, which is a soccer league. Uh, that inside knowledge is then processed and used to create block lists used by the country's leading ISPs to prevent subscribers from watching the pirated events. Uh, it's just pretty much a very elaborate way to try to prevent piracy, which is like, why why bother? Like, people, these people, like, put, put time, resources, and energy into this when they could've... <sighs> They could have put that energy into like, you know, helping cure, volunteering, just anything better with their lives. I don't know. I, I I don't agree with piracy, but I think like all the stuff that the companies do to try to prevent it is just ridiculous because people are going to bypass this anyway. Um, VPNs are nice. That's all we're going to say. VPNs are kind of a cool tool for certain things. Um, and this technology could just as easily be, this could be used for censoring legitimate websites. There's just so many things this technology could be used for that aren't necessarily for preventing piracy. There's a lot of issues that I personally have with this. Nate, do you have something to add there? I was kind of all over the place.
0: <laughs> no, just kind of the the thing you said at the end there, this technology, the reason I'm so concerned about it, I, I'm also not a fan of piracy, but, uh, the main reason I'm concerned about it is whether you agree with piracy or not, like this technology could just as easily be used to censor a website. That's not piracy related. You know, what happens if, um, somebody decides to start, start censoring a certain news site or a certain topic and, this technology could be used the exact same way. Our next story, uh, this was real interesting. The Babook ransomware's full source code has been leaked online. Someone, uh, I I don't know if they work with Babook, I'm assuming they do, but uh, they claim they have terminal cancer and I don't know if this is them trying to like Even the scoreboard before they die, or I I don't know, I don't know what their motive is. But this person says they have terminal cancer and they don't have very long to live, so they have decided to leak the entire source code for the Babook ransomware on a Russian cybercrime forum. This appears to be legitimate. It's been inspected by several experts, and it also appears to include not only the source code but the key generators, the decryption software, like everything, like everything you would ever need. So. Um, yeah, if we hear anything more about that, we'll keep you updated because that is a really interesting story and I'm interested to see where it goes.
1: And our final story for SR53. It's, I just I, Nate put this in here and I think it's so cool. Um, so the EFF has introduced a new service called AP Keep, which is an APK downloader. So all you people who use custom ROMs, you know how you can use the Aurora store to get apps officially from Google Play without needing a Google Play? account or the app. Well, the EFF just introduced a command line tool that allows you to download APKs to Android directly from the Play Store or from third-party mirrors. So this is so cool. The goal is to reduce people having to use these crappy and really sketchy third-party app stores, um, which are very sketchy. So like we really hesitate telling people to use these third-party app stores with the exception of Aurora. Um, but this is really cool. So hopefully this keeps expanding and one day maybe they'll even have like their own little app store or, uh, an easier way to use it. That's not a command line interface. Either way, I thought this was brilliant. We want to
0: remind you again that this podcast is entirely listener supported, so you can help us stay ad free and not have to rely on sponsors by, you know, uh, donating to Patreon or again, Monero, or there's a store. There's so many ways to support us and you can find those in the show notes. We want to thank you for listening to Surveillance Report. We're very happy to know that you are trying to stay safe and trying to keep up to date with what's going on in this field because everything changes so fast. The last thing we want to ask of you, share the podcast around. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed if you're not. If you're somewhere where you can give a rating, like the thumbs up on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, be sure to go ahead and do that because that helps the algorithms know that people like this content and share it more. We want privacy to reach as many people as possible, and you can help us do that. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you all next week.